Dads, happy Father's Day to you. I hope you're being celebrated somehow, uh, some way, some shape, wherever that, wherever that is for you this morning. Um, this is not a Father's Day message in particular, uh, although we are going to talk about gifts, and, and I know that uh, often it kind of goes, you know, you get the gifts on Father's Day. Um, but this morning we're actually going to talk about the gifts that our Heavenly Father gives to all of us. If you're a follower of Jesus, Father God wants to give you gifts. How about that? I mean, isn't God good? Like, isn't he generous to us? Isn't it just it strike you that it's his nature to kind of time and time and time again to give to us? So I want to invite us, we're going to read a couple of passages of Scripture uh, that are kind of a catalog. If you were just reading through the pages of your New Testament, there would be several times when you'd come, especially in the letters that Paul writes, the letter that Peter wrote, 1 Peter, where you would come across this idea of God giving us gifts by his Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit. Who's come. So, so we're going to try to understand this a little bit better. But in order to get there, let me do a little kind of brief recap of where we've been together as a church family. Um, we're, we're in a series that we're calling Empowered and Equipped, um, but I want to actually invite you to see this series, which we started about three weeks ago, in the greater context of the series that preceded it, back when we began it on Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, we, uh, we went to the sermon that the Apostle Peter preached on that first, um, it was the first public address, at least the first record of a public address that we have from, uh, from the New Testament church, early church. Um, 50 days after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, uh, the day of Pentecost, Peter preached this, this message. So we listened to Peter, he's this close friend, uh, this disciple of Jesus, um, and, and he spoke in, in the context, so if we were over here with death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and Jesus then walked among them, resurrected, and uh, the twelve saw him, Peter tell, tells us about this, the twelve saw him, um, something like 500 people saw him, uh, and then 40 days after that first Easter weekend, uh, the disciples were all gathered with Jesus. He commissioned them. We've got this account in Matthew chapter 28. He commissioned them. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But he said, linger in Jerusalem until the gift of the Father has been given. This is 40 days after that first Easter. And then they watched as he ascended to the Father with the promise, angelic promise, that he's going to return. And then they were obedient. They waited that it ended up being 10 days. I don't think they knew it was going to be 10 days. They waited 10 days, and they were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, a feast when the Israelites had gathered once again into Jerusalem. Uh, tens of thousands, if not more, uh, were present that, in Jerusalem that weekend. The Holy Spirit came upon them as was promised, and Peter stands up to preach. So, so we see Matthew 28. Jesus sent them with the mission, and then we see Acts 2, he equipped them for the mission that he'd sent them on. In that sermon that Peter preached on that first Pentecost Sunday, he, he kind of painted the big picture of, of what God has been doing, where God's been at over the course of, of the history of humanity. 
and the, the work of what God had been doing. And then he declared Jesus to be Father God's rescuer, come into a broken world that needs rescuing. And, and his call to action was this. He said, you need to repent of your sin. You need to turn to God. And you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And there was a huge crowd. There was big commotion. People had gathered. We don't know how many people heard this sermon, but Dr. Luke, in the book of Acts chapter 2, he actually tells us that 3,000 people responded that day. In fact, the language that he uses is 3,000 were added to their number. The Holy Spirit came, and overnight, the church multiplied by at least a factor of 10. Like, bam, there was a huge crowd now a part of the church. And so we spent a few weeks then saying, okay, 3,000 were added to their number. That's the language that Luke uses, that, sorry, that yeah, Dr. Luke uses in Acts 2. 3,000 were added to, the, added to their number. What does that mean? Like, what was it that they were being invited into? What is the church? Now, over the past few weeks, we've had a number of people taking the Alpha course with us. Some of you may be dialing in online. You may be asking the same question. What have I gotten myself into? Like, what is this thing that my friends have been calling me, inviting me to attend to? What is this church? And I'd invite you to go back and review those sermons. It wouldn't take that long. They're all posted on our website, um, beginning with Easter Sunday, and kind of follow the way through. But here's, here's the quick summary of, of, of what we've been invited into. In order for us to understand this better, we actually went back to the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples immediately before his, trial, his, his betrayal and his trial. <clears throat> and... And what were they getting themselves into? Well, Jesus uses the language of, uh, he says this, he says, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and you are in me. We maybe scratch our head a little bit. We say, wow, that, that's, that's like really invasive. Um, we, we, we used language, we said like, is the invitation to follow Jesus something like joining a club, or, or is it something like entering a family, fraternity-like family, or, or, or is it just a simple set of beliefs, and we had to say, look, it's not, it's, none of those are sufficient. It's, it's all of those and then some. I am in the Father. He is in me. You are in me. Uh, Jesus, John 15, he uses similar language. He says, um, I am the vine, and you are the branches. My Father is the gardener. And he wants to produce fruit in your life. And so once again, what are they invited into? What's this thing they've gotten? Well, they've been grafted into Jesus to become fruitful in the orchard of God's world. And, and, and these are the kind, this is the kind of language, we talked about kingdom fruit, we talked about character fruit, this is the kind of language that Jesus was using to describe the church. We talk about being united in Christ that we have come together to become the body of Christ. We're actually going to use that language here this morning. His hands, his feet. Uh, we are Jesus walking in this world. That's what the church is. That's what you're invited into. And then beginning Pentecost Sunday, just a few Sundays ago, 50 days after this most recent Easter weekend, we began looking specifically at the gift of the Father, the Holy Spirit. What is it that happened that first Pentecost Sunday? Who is the Holy Spirit? What did the Holy Spirit do? 
Oh, last week, Pastor Craig preached a, just a masterful message on, on, on how, do I be, how am I filled with the Holy Spirit? And then over the course of this week, we, we've been praying with some of, some of you who have asked. Some of you were praying for you whether you've asked for it or not. <laughs> but we long that our church family would, would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we would walk in the power of the Holy Spirit because Jesus promised that we would receive power when the Holy Spirit would come upon us, come upon the church, to do the work of God. And if we're trying to do the work of God without Him empowering us for it, we're going to find ourselves running aground very, very quickly. I hope, I hope Craig maybe whet your appetite last Sunday for, for the message this week. Uh, he talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit that, such that, that we would be spilling over into our world. Uh, he fills us to spill us, Rob Reimer says in, in his book, River Dwellers. He wants to fill you in order to spill you over into the world in which we live. You will receive power. How's your power meter these days? Is it time maybe to pay attention to what's actually coming into your life so that there's adequate resource to come out of your life in order to bear the fruit that we're talking about, in order that the life of Jesus would flow from the vine into the branch and result in fruitfulness in your life. At least one way that the power of God becomes evident in the lives of followers of Jesus is through the gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to give to you, wants to work through you. Through you. Your Heavenly Father wants to give you gifts. When God the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in our lives, let me just do a quick review here, quick recap. Your interest in Jesus is a result of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, whether you've known it or not. You never would have come to faith in Jesus if it hadn't been for the pre-existing work of the Holy Spirit. And then if you've come to the place where you've confessed Christ, you've said, look, Jesus, I know my sin has separated me from you. I need to be restored in relationship to the Father. You alone can forgive the sin that I have. We just kind of prayed about that a minute or two ago. You've come to the place where you've done that. In that confession, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in you. Now, we'll say sometimes, he's present. How much of you have you given him? How much of you, how much, if we described our, whole, our bodies or ourselves as, as a house, how many rooms have you opened to him? Um, uh, Craig used the illustration last Sunday of, of stones in a, a glass jar, and as he poured the water in, it became evident that if he took the stones out, if he got rid of these things that have been obstructing the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, there's more space, there's more capacity there. Great visual. God, the Holy Spirit, comes, he takes up residence in our lives. He brought us to Christ, and he keeps us in Christ. This is what the Holy Spirit does. God, the Holy Spirit, living in us, and in sustaining us in Christ, he, he equips us for the work of Christ. He, he equips us. So let's read, we're going to read a couple of passages together. There are multiples we could go to, but I'm just going to pick two of the top ones, two of my favorites and we'll observe this. We'll observe that there are three kinds of gifts that God the Father gives 
and works through you. Now, if you don't have your sermon notes yet, you can go to the website, download them, you can throw them on your smartphone and follow along, or maybe you want to take some notes as we go. Um, but I'm going to come back to the sermon notes because I really want you to get a hold of these for this coming week because I'm going to ask you to come back this coming week to some of the things we're talking about because I'm really only just scratching the surface here this morning and there's so much more that I'm hoping that you will press into. So I'm going to begin, we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 starting at verse 1, letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in the ancient city of Corinth. I'm going to start at verse 1 and then I'll skip down to verse 4. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, if you're looking it up digitally. This is the word of the Lord. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. but The same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. The spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives faith to another, and to someone else, The one spirit gives the gift of healing. It gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. It gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts He alone decides which gift each person should have. Faith conversations are newer to you. Let let me me say this. We live in a, a world, a spiritualized world, a spiritual world. All over the place, people are are attempting to understand what's going on around them. In a, in a spiritual sense. So if some of this language seems a little strange to you, let me say, whew, right here, Jesus, Jesus is the one who actually invites you to, to, to take specific focus on that spiritual realm out there. We're talking about spiritual stuff here. And let me read another passage. Again, it's the same writer. It's the Apostle Paul, different letter, Um, This letter he was writing to the church in in the city of Rome. Romans chapter 12, and start at verse 4. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy... Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you, pardon me, if you have a gift 
for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. This is just a couple of the passages that we could go to. There's, there's probably two more primary passages and a couple of other passages that also have some interesting comment about this. But this is enough for now. Our Heavenly Father wants to give us gifts and for ministry, for accomplishing his work. And this is just a bit of a catalog of what those gifts are. Uh, some of them appear in, in both lists. Um, almost every time, I'm pretty sure out of the five uh, you know, passages that we could turn to, uh, there's at least one that's kind of unique in each one. And if we were to add them all together, it comes out to something like about 23 different gifts that are being described in the pages of Scripture. 23 different things that God would, would give to his church in order to equip them. But it's, I think it's helpful just to begin to conceptualize what this is about, to put them into three categories. It kind of breaks down reasonably that some of these, you could use the word serving gifts. And there's some that kind of fall into a category of leadership gifts. And then there's some that you really just need the word miraculous in order to be able to describe them. Now, those categories are artificial. Um, it's maybe just a way of trying, because all of them are, are, are miraculous in the sense that God works them all through his church, right? And all of them are serving gifts because both Peter and Paul, when they speak of spiritual gifts, they say they're for the benefit of the body. They're, they're for the benefit of one another. So they're, they're all serving gifts. But, but I think you'll get the idea. Uh, let's just, so some of the serving gifts, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 4, we read it a minute ago, he says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. So we're going to use an illustration here that, that kind of shows the Holy Spirit in the center, kind of bursting out the life of the vine, flowing out into the branches with gifts that are intended to bring spiritual fruit, kingdom fruit, and, and character fruit in our lives. And so you can see in the circle, kind of up, some are leadership, some are service, some are miraculous, but it's one spirit that, that brings them all. So in the serving category, let's see, the serving category down here. Serving category, um, for instance, the, the gift of helps, um, gift of mercy. Those would be a couple that kind of fall into that category. Um, now, we're all called to be helpful. Uh, we all are called to be merciful. Um, but, but it may be, and maybe that's, you've always been a helpful person. But when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of our lives, uh, one thing that can happen is, is kind of gifts that were present, abilities that were present, suddenly become kind of spiritually superpowers. <laughs> you know, they're just like infused with a, an ability and an energy that, that, that you didn't have before, turbocharged um, in, in one sense, a natural ability that's been turbocharged. On the other hand, maybe, maybe that wasn't something that characterized you before Christ, but the Holy Spirit came and he took up residence in your life, and all of a sudden you just have this desire to, I don't want to get involved, man, I just want to, I don't want to do something. It hardly matters what I do, I just want to help. And I'll tell you, those who have the gift of helps are so, so helpful in the body of Christ. Because so many times it's just, I need somebody to kind of come alongside me and, and help accomplish an assignment, a task, a kingdom priority. Maybe, maybe before Christ, you weren't particularly merciful. Or maybe, let's say you were. Let's say before Christ, you know, you were just a compassionate person. Well, the Holy Spirit gets a hold of that, and all of a sudden it can become, man, focused 
on, the, on bringing the mercy of Jesus to the people around us, demonstrating it within the church and helping the church be merciful in our relationship with the broader world. Or maybe you'd say, look, that doesn't characterize me. That's not who I was before Christ. But it's like the Holy Spirit started shaking like steak tenderizer or something on my heart. And all of a sudden, I just, I'm just compassionate. You know, there's just mercy kind of flowing through me. This is, this is how the Holy Spirit might work in these gifts of serving. There's another category, category of leadership gifts. And in one sense, we could say, well, I'm not sure these words need an awful lot of explanation. On the other hand, on the other hand, uh, Christian leadership ought to be setting the standard for all leadership in our world. Because Christian leadership is servant leadership. Um, we, we We are called to be those who serve one another. And so leaders aren't to be self-grandizing, aren't to be kingdom-building, aren't to be... We're put in places of leadership in order to serve others. I mean, after all, when, when we came to faith in Jesus, we were a branch grafted into the vine, the lifeblood of Jesus is flowing through us. Well, what did Jesus do? What kind of leadership did, did Jesus offer? He served. He served others. He laid his life down, right? Matthew 20, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if we're going to serve like Jesus with the lifeblood of Jesus flowing through us, we serve like Jesus in serving others, in laying our priorities down in order to prefer the priorities of those people whom we're called to lead. Now, leadership is one of the gifts that Paul mentions, uh, comes in the category of leadership. But what about about a couple others? Here's a couple that maybe have natural equivalents. Teaching, the gift of teaching. Uh, The gift of, of wisdom. And again, it, it may be it's something the Holy Spirit brings that just wasn't there before, or it could be something that he kind of turbocharges because there was already some natural ability there, some aptitude, and he is equipping and empowering that. So some of them have these natural parallels, but some of the words that we read on these passages of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, um, they don't really have a natural, like, like, what's that word mean? Like apostleship. Like what is it? So the word apostle in the Greek means sent one, but the gift of apostleship that we see functioning in the pages of Scripture um, is kind of this, this spiritually enabled ability to start new things, like to see need and then address it. We, we, could, we could call it kind of spiritual entrepreneurship, okay? Like these are the spiritual entrepreneurs. I remember a guy that I worked with years ago, a guy named Bob Simpson. And, and Bob just kind of, he, he demonstrated the gift of apostleship as best I understand it uh, in so many ways. I was about 30 years old when I was working with Bob, and he was at least twice my age. But he had this extraordinary ability to look around the world in which he lived and, and see problems. And then he'd speak to the, to, to the Lord about it. Lord, what do you want me to do about this problem? And then he'd go start something that would fix the problem, or at least help fix the problem. When I engaged with Bob, like he was obviously later in his careers, but he was far from done. And, um, and, and he asked me to come, come and help him because he had this ambition to work with First Nations peoples. And, and his, his goal was to, 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 to build relationships with the chiefs of several um, First Nations tribes and ask them to commission their best youth the most promising young leaders to come 
And then we would do a weekend or a week of training with them. And then he would take them out on mission back into uh, the reserves for, to, to run a week or two weeks of, of youth camp and activities and, and minister to the First Nations uh, reserves in this way. I had the privilege of leading worship for the training segment and then you know, engaged in prayer ministry through, through that. It was an extraordinary experience. I learned so much because Bob was exercising his apostol- apostolic gifting, his entrepreneurial gifting, and he made a huge difference in the lives of those, of those young Aboriginal leaders who came together. I, I remember an, another guy who, who seemed to model this idea of um, of, of apostolic gifting, entrepreneurial gifting. Dave Spencer was a friend of mine. We were somewhere around the same age. He was single, had, had a real uh, outdoor bend. Like he just, he just wanted to be out doing stuff all the time. So, so we were talking together one day about this and he dreamed up this idea of, of Sun Seekers, the Sun Seekers Ministry, S-O-N, where he could bring together the idea of, of getting out and climbing things and paddling stuff and, and with, with spiritual priorities. And Dave ran this for years, uh, uh, Sunseekers, and I think he got a wife out of the deal too. Um, so it was, this, it was wonderful, it was wonderful. But, but he, he's another guy who just kind of would birth new things, and it's an example of the gift of, of apostleship. I don't have time to kind of walk through all 23 of these gifts, but that gives you a little bit of a, 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 a taste of what they're about. And on the back of the sermon notes, so if you download your sermon notes, I colored it very pretty, pretty purple for you uh, this week, but on the back or the, the, right, the, what, the right-hand side of the page, I've given you this little sort of circle with the Holy Spirit, but then there's a listing of all 23 gifts around it and the passages of Scripture that you could go to. And, and I just want to encourage you to dig into this this week and, and to see if if you can make better sense of how it is God is working in you. Sometimes, sometimes the God, the Holy Spirit, has been at work in our lives doing stuff that we've only been barely aware of. But when you can put a name to what he's been doing, it can suddenly take on a whole new life and, and you can begin to, to process it in a, a more helpful way. I, God's been doing this in my life. Maybe I need to pay more attention to this because he's actually given me a gift and I now need to now learn how to use the gift. I need to, need to, to practice in, in being the most helpful version to kingdom purposes of that gift, whatever it is, to be more wise, to give better leadership, to, to, to be a better teacher, to, 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 to be a, a more fruitful helper. Um, so so it's, this is an invitation to examine scriptures and examine yourself and talk to the Holy Spirit about what it is that, that how, Lord, how is it you would like to use me? Am I adequately equipped? Or as Craig mentioned last week, it, there must be more than this. Maybe you're in a place in your life and you'd say, is this it? Is this all there is? Holy Spirit, would you come and fill me with your power? Battery charges, the, the meters are showing low. And it's time for me to lean into you and, and begin to, to seek you in new ways. I'll talk about that more in just a couple of minutes. God, the Holy Spirit, may bring you gifts that are serving gifts. Uh, he may bring you gifts, he, he may equip you with gifts that are leadership gifts. It's also very possible that he would equip you with gifts that, that are miraculous, that he would work miracles, literally miracles, through your life. Now, of course, 
all of the spiritual gifts require that we pay attention to God, okay? Uh, that, that, we be, that we begin to, to nurture our relationship with God in a conversational kind of way. Uh, that we be attending to him. How do you do that? Uh, how do I nurture a conversational relationship with God? Well, it begins in prayer. But that, be, that, can be, that can go an awful lot of squirrely directions. Okay, so, so, so anchor that prayer in Scripture. Like, like could you... Could you find yourself in Scripture every day? You know, maybe it's the verse of the day from the Version Bible app, but, but it's just a, 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 a meditative thought. Or maybe it's a, a reading plan from the Version Bible app. Or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's reading Scripture with someone else on one of those online resources, online tools. Uh, but, but reading Scripture, inviting the Holy Spirit to speak through His Word is one of the ways that I would nurture this relationship and I would attune my ear to God. Maybe journaling. That's another great discipline. What's God been... What, what, is it, any words jump off the page to you? Well, what's going on in your life right now? Could I be attentive to this moment and by being attentive to the moment, be attentive to God and what he wants to say? What words would jump off the page? What, uh, what, what people come to mind? Maybe he's prompting me to pray for those people. And it's in this place of, of, of nurturing this walk with God that the Holy Spirit, his voice becomes more recognizable to us and we become more attentive to, to what he wants to do through us. Now what I've just described is, is that it's discerning. It's being a discerning person. And all of us, once again, want to be discerning followers of Jesus. And there are some whom the Holy Spirit visits with a particular gift of discernment. Remember, we're talking about miraculous gifts here a particular gift of discernment, where, where they, they're able to identify, that's God. That's God at work right there. That's, what I, that's the devil at work right there. I recognize that. Like they're able to discern between spirits, discern a situation. When a leader has that gift of discernment, they're a great, a great gift to the body of Christ. You know, the leaders who don't particularly have a discerning gift from the Holy Spirit become extremely valuable when there are other people on their team who do. Like that becomes a team that, that, that is really effective because the parts of the body are working together. Gift of discernment. Uh, in the miraculous category, uh, dreams and visions. Sometimes God speaks through dreams. You were asleep, you woke up, you're like, what the heck was that? You know, that'd be the time to keep a notepad beside your bed and make a little note of it. Was it God or was it the pizza you had for dinner? Ah, ask the Holy Spirit, okay? But, but it, it, we're discerning, we're leaning into it. You, you know, there have been moments when I've been sitting there daydreaming and all of a sudden it's like, you see something or you know something to be true. God will speak to some, not all, through dreams and vision. But we're, we're going to cultivate an attentiveness to what it is he wants to say to us. Prophecy. Prophecy, the ability to speak God, truth on God's behalf. It, it could be preaching. Sometimes it's, it's uh, forth-telling the will of God. It, it, it's bringing instruction. Sometimes the prophetic voice comes with a correction. It, it can be a rebuke. Uh, it it can, can sometimes chafe a little bit when we realize, oops, I've been missing the heart of God here. I need to be responding to the heart of God in this situation. 
miraculous. Uh, Words of knowledge are are referenced in those passages that we just read. Uh, Word of knowledge, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, something you, you never could have possibly known in the natural. I was praying with a group of pastors a number of years ago, uh, and um, afterwards, uh, a close friend and mentor uh, told me this story. He said, we were, we were praying together. Uh, this guy named Mark had come and was praying for my friend Justin and his wife Sue. And uh, uh, Mark didn't know them from a hole in the wall. Like, he'd just gotten off a plane and, and had never met them before and knew nothing about them. Um, and the beginning of his sort of intercession, his intercessory prayer for them, it began with a word of knowledge. Um, Mark began to say, like he was just reading their mail, like, uh, here's who you are, here's where you live, this is what you've been doing, uh, this is some of the challenges that you're going through in your life, um, this is what's going on. And Justin said, you've got to believe, God had my attention in that moment. Like there was no way on God's green earth that, he, that, that this guy could have known these things. God gave him a word of knowledge, and, and then in that time of prayer, that moment of prayer, um, all of a sudden, Justin said, I was listening. So when, when the prayer continued on to bring words of affirmation, he was able to receive that. You know, when there was a bit of prophetic direction in it, you know, pay attention to this. God's asking you to attend to that. He's like, God's got my attention. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, the body of Christ, diversity of gifts, but one spirit who works them all to and through each of us. And so Pentecost Sunday, uh, God the Holy Spirit uh, was poured out by Jesus. The gift of the Father was given to the disciples so that they would have power to do God's work together. Um, we actually see a, a, a perfect example of that uh, in, in what the transformation that took place among the disciples. You recall that, that kind of in the previous scene before Pentecost Sunday, when we sort of last saw them on full display, they were running in terror as the, Roman, as the soldiers came for, for Jesus. Uh, Peter was, you know, kind of creeping along behind and was um, uh, trying to find out what was going on. But then when, you know, a slave girl comes and says, oh, you're with Jesus, aren't you? And he's like, no, 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 it's not me. You know, and eventually denies him, you know, you know swears and says, that's, that's, you know, not who I am. We're rooster crows. Um, Peter goes through this season of confession and repentance. John 17, is 18, John 17, yeah, the end of the Gospel of John. Uh, Jesus restores him. Um, here we are, 50 days after that, and Peter's standing in front of a crowd telling them what's what. Like, th- there's been a transformation. Like, power has come into Peter's life. In, in such an extraordinary measure that he is not only standing up in front of people that he used to run from, but he's actually telling them about the sin in their lives and calling them to change. And he does so with such power that 3,000 say, you're right. You're right. I need to change and follow Jesus. Man, and the church was born. This is what we're being invited into. In these lists of gifts that, that Paul is mentioning, there's another one that shows, and it actually shows up in Acts 2, I think, um, and it's the gift of tongues. Acts 2, one of the things that happened, there was a sound of rushing wind, and, and then the disciples who were present began speaking in foreign languages, languages they'd never learned. Um, and so this crowd came running to see what all the hurrah was about, and, and 
Luke tells us in, in Acts chapter 2 that each one was hearing the gospel in their own, in their own tongue. Well, 3,000 say yes to Jesus, and then they take the gospel back to wherever they came from, and all of a sudden there's this explosion of the church around the known world. Um, but, but there was this experience that is described as tongues. Uh, Paul seems to use another way of describing it as well. There's this foreign language ability to communicate thing that was going on in Acts 2, and Paul also talks about praying in, in the gift of tongues. Um, speaking uh, without the necessity of words to God directly. And then if it happens, he says if it happens in a public setting, there should be an interpreter there. So these aren't, these aren't ecstatic experiences that overwhelm us, that we have no control over. He's talking about something where we become a conscious participant with God, and we get to choose. Is that a prophetic word? Is that a miracle God wants to work? How do I join with what God wants to do here? Uh, am I supposed to pray in tongues in this situation? Am, am I supposed to speak, actually, in a foreign language that I've never learned before? I've often thought missionaries should all be given the gift of tongues. Apparently, the Holy Spirit has decided that's not the way it's going to work, uh, and some of them have to study really, really hard in order to get some capacity in a language they've never learned before. Is this a little crazy? Like, do you kind of hear that? And maybe, maybe you're hearing this for the first time. Those of us who have been in the church for years, it's, it, it's, it's easy for it just to kind of wash over and we just, you know, hardly really process it adequately. God the Father wants to give you gifts. He wants to give you skills and abilities and an empowerment that will allow you to do his work. Why, why does the church seem to continue to kind of limp along so often? Why is it we kind of stumble into error after error and, and, and having to... Is it, is it that we've just not leaned into the power of the Holy Spirit adequately? We've not, we, we just, we, we, I look around the room, I look through the camera lens, and I know that there's an awful lot of really talented people around here. A lot of great skills, leadership skills, teaching skill. But if we're trying to do it all in our own strength and energy, we're going we're gonna to discover that we keep hitting a wall we, we, we keep spinning our wheels and really never getting traction. Sometimes I wonder if God invites us to a place of, of desperation. I don't know, maybe a, like a, a pandemic that shuts the entire world down. Where we say, well, maybe we're not quite as clever as we think. Maybe we're not quite as able to manage all things under all circumstances in our world. Maybe... We need to be responsive to the words of Scripture and, 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 and we actually need to come and say, you know what? Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. In fact, I am desperate for you here. Because if you don't show up in my life, I'm going to blow this. And so I'm confessing right here and right now that whatever the natural abilities are that you've given to me, unless you show up with your abilities, I'm just spinning my wheels. Some of you will be familiar with C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite series, or the Chronicles of Narnia. First book written in the series is The Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. And in that series, if you're familiar with it at all, you may recall uh, that the three of the children are given gifts from Aslan through Father Christmas. 
And it's on sort of the eve of a battle that they're going to have to go in against the White Witch. And so Peter, he's going to lead the Narnians in, in the battle against the White Witch, White Witch. And so he's given a shield, he's given a sword. Susan's given a bow and arrows that will not easily miss. And, and Lucy, the youngest, she's given a dagger and a, a cordial of, uh, of juice from the fire flower berry, I think it is. That has miraculous healing properties. We're going to talk about healing next Sunday. We're going to talk about healing and we're going to talk about the reality of evil in the world. Um, Those two actually go remarkably well together. But they were given these gifts to serve the purpose of Aslan in the world of Narnia. Lewis was paralleling our world and he was paralleling Aslan as a a picture or a type of Christ in that story. But they're, they're, real, they're real tools that we're describing here. There, there's so much more that we could say, so much more we could dive into. Um, but maybe, maybe this is the place to pause and just ask this simple question. What gifts has God given you for ministry? What, what gifts has God given you for ministry? You maybe say, I have no idea. Like, I, I, I just don't know. So, so this is a great place where you'd say, we'd say, well, let's, let's begin by asking. Lord, I, I want to be equipped for serving you effectively. Do, do I have all of the gifts that you want to give me, or is there more? What gifts do you want me to, to use on your behalf? Paul tells us that that every follower of Jesus is given a gift. Therefore, if if, if you're a follower of Jesus, but you're actually not serving, you're not using the gifts that have been given to you, the body of Christ is limping. The body of Christ is disabled because there's a part and a piece missing. Now, I use the word disabled very intentionally. Some of those, because if you struggle with some kind of disability, a physical disability, a mental or emotional disability, uh, you, and yet you're a follower of Jesus, you have gifts to, to, to use too. The body of Christ is disabled without you serving. So some of the people who have been the most, the kindest and most compassionate uh, people in the body of Christ that I've known have actually been those who were Down syndrome or they had a, a disability and God get a hold of their lives and use them in beautiful and wonderful ways. But that goes for all of us. The, the body of Christ needs to be walking on both feet. Uh, needs to be using all of its capacities. And, and so we come, and, and maybe it's just simply, you've not been thinking about these things, haven't received any teaching on these things. This morning that changes. This morning I just want to invite you Maybe assume a posture of, uh, of receiving. Like, hold your hands out in front of you, if you would, please. Palms up, like, like I was about to place something into your hands. And I want to pray for us. As the worship team comes, uh, I'm gonna, they're going to prepare to lead us in response. But I'm going to invite you just to assume a posture like you're receiving a gift, and, and we're just going to close our eyes, and, and I want to pray for you as we seek the Lord together. The Spirit of the living God, Fall fresh on us. Holy Spirit, come fill us.
Come and bring your power among us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would enable us to live victorious lives in you. And so come and grow character fruit in us. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would equip us with every spiritual gift we need to serve your kingdom purposes. So come equip us with kingdom fruit. Oh God, we pray that your purposes would prevail among us because we are those who are connected to the vine and your lifeblood is flowing through us. Holy Spirit, come and fill us afresh this morning. We pray this in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus. What an extraordinary reality. Here we are, Father's Day weekend, when dads often receive gifts, but our dad is giving them. Our dad is giving gifts. Heavenly Father, he has gifts to pour out upon his church. And that is his nature. He is a giving God. He came in the second person of the Godhead, Jesus, the Son, to give himself for us.